when I do a, a one-day workshop, you know, which would be showing people how to draw it and make finger labyrinths and a number of meditations, you know, and then making a big labyrinth and walking it. It's it's like there's a space that's created or an environment or atmosphere that I could stay sitting in and all the people, they, yeah. they could stay sitting in for, for hours. It's just there's a sense of peacefulness that um, yeah. that it brings that is why I keep working with it. Hi there, welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 18 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. Now, this is a rather unscheduled podcast. I hadn't originally thought about doing one for another couple of weeks. This also has the record for being the shortest turnaround time, as I only recorded this uh, yesterday in, in my time. I uh, recently returned from a trip to Cork in Ireland, where I was fortunate enough to meet up with and spend a day in the company of Tony Christie, who's a labyrinth facilitator and runs the website Labyrinth Ireland. So, uh, naturally enough, the conversation turned to all things labyrinthine. I took the opportunity to record the proceedings and thought I'd like to share it with you. So, consider this a bit of a summer special podcast, if you will. Anyway, let's go right into the interview with Tony. Now, I confess, Tony, I'm not actually sure how I should introduce you. What would you call yourself? Um, oh, I'm a labyrinth. Labyrinth of enthusiast. Ireland. Labyrinth enthusiast <laughs> in Ireland. Labyrinth, yeah. Founder of Labyrinth Ireland or whatever. It just how I didn't. How I'm not sure how I'd introduce myself. I'm a facilitator, designer, builder. <laughs> how did you enthusiast. Get into, how did Does you get into labyrinths? Actually, it was Fanula, my partner, had a deck of angel cards, and I picked one, and it was called Melchizedek's Labyrinth. Ah, it was okay. the first time I came across a labyrinth, a seven circuit classical labyrinth, and. Um, I think it's around the same time I had ordered a book by Jack Temple's book, I think either The Healer or The Medicine Man, yeah. and uh, he also had a labyrinth in the grounds of his centre, so he. Um, so I think after that I was putting two and two together and I just got on the internet and bought a, started my library of labyrinth books, you know, yeah, got yeah. about ordered six or eight books and uh, just got into it and built one in my back garden and started walking it and then... Friends came around and walked it and found it interesting and helpful and beneficial and they started building them for other people and then started telling, talking to people about it and then groups of people asking me to talk to them about it. So that's really, it went on from there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I'm always amazed at what a, it's almost like a total conversion when people get into labyrinths. It seems yeah, to be a like, switch that yeah. activates. Yeah, well the labyrinth found me, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, say that yeah, I found it, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I noticed it myself, there are people who just connect with the labyrinth and and they just you just go go for it, and it it resonates hugely with with some people, yeah, not yeah. necessarily everybody, you know. But yeah. I see kind of my role is introducing it to people, and well and good if if they connect with it, and if they don't, well they've had a look at it and tried it out anyway, you know. Yeah. But well, I I have found that most people at least, if when they walk a labyrinth, it'll um, they'll feel more centered and more balanced. Yeah. You know, at the least, you know. At minimum, yeah. yeah. And then depends on what intention they bring to it, you know. And yeah. That they can have really any kind of an experience, you know, and find answers to lots of life questions if that's how they approach it, you know. Yeah. And can get into very meditative states yeah. on the labyrinth. And uh, yeah. really, from there, it's a form of walking meditation, you know, the walking one. And uh, 
but even I, I, I think for me it has even enhanced my creativity. You know, I started painting a few years ago, and I'm still looking. I, I think uh, the stuff coming through me because of the labyrinth. You know, there's images and painting. I thought I couldn't paint until I took up a brush and mm. tried it. So, and, and I would credit the labyrinth with having kind of got me into that space where I was able to produce images that uh, people actually want to buy now and uh, mm. you know so it's um, and you work in acrylics or oils or in acrylics usually oh, acrylics yeah. on either canvas or acrylic paper you know mm. and, but um yeah initially it was just for my own satisfaction my own or maybe not i'm not sure but <laughs> do we ever know really where we've been guided you know i was doing it something i love and i get an image or an idea and i put yeah. it on i create it or, or i'd be part of the creation process I, I i wouldn't claim fully that it's all my work it's something that's coming through me who so, can say where the path leads yeah 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 so um and uh then people started asking me would i sell them and you know people are looking for prints of some of the paintings and some of them I, I haven't got around to letting go of yet, you know, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's the making, it's the bringing of the labyrinth and the magic and the mysticism and the connectedness. It's, the labyrinth is connected to so many other areas of life or, or avenues of exploring life that, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever your kind of core beliefs are, whatever your beliefs you're brought up with are, I think the labyrinth can be connected to that. You know? Yeah, I it's think it's, it's such a universal symbol yes. across so many cultures. Yeah. Everybody can resonate with it on, on some level. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you have any preference for the, the classical or the, the medieval I design? I veer towards the classical one, mm. but um, I quite like the Chartres one as well. But generally, initially I thought it was just because it was easier to make and to build, you know, but um, I think from an earth healing and an earth energy point of view, I find the classical one kind of more grounding or more healing for the earth or more, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I think the shark one is sometimes more spiritual isn't the word, you know, but it's, it's, it, it, it works on a different level, I think, with, yeah. with people, you know, um, I mean, in space clear and in energy work, I find the seventh circuit one, it, it's, it's, it's my preference, seventh yeah, circuit yeah. one, yeah, and a right-handed as opposed to left-handed. So yeah, I wonder why that is, because you know, right-handed seems to be a modern phenomenon, doesn't it? The left-handed one. Yeah, and mm. some of the older ones in Ireland, they all seem to have been right-handed. You know, mm. I don't know why that, mm. why that is either. Um, kind of, I learned drawing the left-handed one, you know, but yeah. it's kind of, if I'm making them now for people, I usually, if I'm divining or dowsing for it, it's, it would be it's mostly right-handed, I get, you know, so I'm not mm. sure why that is, you mm. know, I don't in walking it people who don't know don't seem to notice any difference you know yeah. so it's maybe it's yeah i think i have a so f slightly more even spread but probably more left-handed yeah than i always do is when i'm doing one, right <coughs> which way it has to go yeah yeah i know the you know some of the older ones in ireland the hollywood stone you know the one up in if you're familiar with it it's up in county wicklow now it's, mm -hmm. it's on view in the visitor center it's a big boulder about you know, three foot high and three foot wide or, or whatever and that's that's a right-handed one you know and that's mm. I mean that's dated well as well as they can date anything on stone. It's in it's carved into granite, so it's the, rec the reckoning is it's more than likely Iron Age, you know, because the, the bronze tools mightn't have been able to do that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably fifteen hundred years old. That one. 
Hollywood and the Hollywood in Ireland actually give us names for Hollywood in the States, you know, I often thought it would be a great marketing tool, you know, to, to start using the Hollywood Stone <laughs> <laughs> or the Labyrinth, the Hollywood Stone Labyrinth as a... Yeah, somebody's missing out there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, maybe I'm gaff, should, giving away a valuable idea. You should copyright idea that idea gaff. quickly, I yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it was found on an ancient, well, an ancient road into St. Kevin's Monastery, which is, has the whole association of the pilgrimage and the, the journey in life and the you know, the physical endeavour with a spiritual end, you mm -hmm. know, so it's um, uh, found by a gang of you know, local boys out hunting for ferrets, apparently, you know, and in 1907 turned over this big boulder and suddenly in the middle of the middle of nowhere and found a, a labyrinth pattern on it and didn't know what it was and the National Museum took it over and hid it in its depths for quite a number of years, apparently, it was lost mm. in the in the bowels, but it's now in public view in the visitor centre in Glendalough near Kevin's Monastery, mm. where there's also an outdoor labyrinth cut, cut into the, the lawn there, you know, so if people are into labyrinths, it's a nice and interesting spot to travel to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so at, um, how long has the website been going? Website, I mean, I've only been into, only about five years, five to six years I've been into labyrinths, you know, so it's mm. not, sometime Maybe it's probably four years, I would imagine. I'm not 100% sure. I went to Chartres in 2005 with Veriditas just to get some, I suppose, form a piece of paper, maybe, you know, because yeah. um, there wasn't a whole lot of people in Ireland that I knew of were into labyrinths or where there was mainly international in the UK or the, the States, you know. So I think when I came back from in 2005, I said I'd set up a website and uh, start building or just promoting labyrinths was the whole intention of it, you know, to bring to people sort of the, the benefits I've got from it myself, you know, on a personal level. So so I set up the website and then I started getting emails from people who are coming to Ireland, you know, I'd like to walk a few labyrinths, where would you recommend? And, mm. and there weren't a whole lot of them, you know, and there still isn't, aren't a huge amount compared to the US anyway, where they're, you know, yeah. if you look in the worldwide labyrinth locator, you'll find hundreds of them all over the yeah. place. I, I think there's maybe only between 10 and 20 listed in Ireland. No, there are a lot more there that maybe people have built private ones in their gardens. You know, it seems to be, in Ireland, seems to be emerging from the bottom up. But So that's, the website just grew then, you know, and, um, mm. and coming back from Chartres, I remember being in Chartres and saying, how am I going to... Um, Talk, tell people about labyrinths, they won't even know what it is or how am I going to introduce it, you know. So I came back to Cork and I would say that within a day or two I'd walked into a shop and I'd picked up a brochure saying, which said, Labyrinths, Pathways of Light, you know, Cork 2005. And it was like I had walked back from <laughs> wondering how you're going to introduce labyrinths to the people of Cork and the people of Ireland. And as part of the European Capital of Culture in 2005, somebody had one of the events was a whole series of labyrinths all over the city. There was even a big one hanging off the f over the front door of the city hall, you know, so it was mm. like they were painted on cor every corner in the street, every free space in the city was had some type of a labyrinth on it, and all different types, mm. you know, some of the the Hopi ones and some of the, you know... So who'd organised that? It was just one of the people organising this whole European capital culture, a, a guy called Niall Horgan, who mm. was into labyrinths himself and had built right. one kind of a modified chart one, kind of a five-circuit chart one, in mm. where he worked, you know, in, um, in a, large, a large community, and he had it built there, and he um, he had organised that and got people to, everybody involved, and invited all local schools and communities and churches if they wanted to. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And there were some very moving ones, I mean, 
There's some very funny ones as well. I, I, I offered my services to help out, you know, and it helped with a few youth groups. And then there was one group who were making, there was only about 20 kids, they were making it out of potatoes, you know, on the, <laughs> on the, on the, uh, on, on the side of the street, you know. And of course, they ran out of potatoes, then they had about three quarters of the way through, so they sent somebody off to Tesco to get another bag of spuds, you know, <laughs> so they could finish, finish their labyrinth. So it's the only... Yeah, typically in Ireland, it's the only potato labyrinth I've ever come across. So. Uh, yeah, that would have to be yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, it was great. So it's great when I sometimes in Cork now talking to people, they still remember that even though it's five years ago, you know, that mm. it's like it's had an effect on people. Um, I remember walking one myself in a fairly prominent area where there were a lot of people passing by and I was walking around in circles and this old chap, I don't know, was he... Uh, kind of a, a bottle, a brown bag with a bottle of something in it and he was looking at me and then he shouts, it's a dead end! He says, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, you'll uh, probably get that in Glasgow as well. <laughs> 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 and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it depends on where you're coming from, you know, your perspective, you know, but I must say for me I've found them really helpful and beneficial and have got a lot of answers to a lot of life's questions, you know, so yeah, it's, um, yeah. Which, and I've more and more drawn to them, you know, it's, it's like... It's yeah, I find, the, uh, I find the Seventh Circuit is better for uh, answering questions. Is it? Yeah, yeah. okay. I think the, the short one you can do, but it's, it's yeah. like you said, it's on a higher level. It's more of an intellectual tool, I think. Yeah. You don't feel it as much, somehow. Mm. I don't know, it's hard to, hard to quantify that. Uh, also, it just yeah. takes so long to walk the short one. <laughs> it, <you know. laughs> it does, yeah. No, I did walk one in um, Troy Farm in Somerset. A 15 circuit, you know, it's similar mm -hmm. to the 7 circuit. God, that took ages. I must say, no, it, it was yeah. too long. Yeah. You know, and I've made lots of different ones, especially on the beach with kids, you know, Stafford to 7 and then go to 11 and 15. Mm. I think we went to 19 or 23, you know, mm. just to keep them amused. And I think you lose something. The 11, it's manageable, but once you get to the 15, it's just lose. It just takes too long, you know, and the mm. any concentration or your... The mind wanders, or my mind, my mind wandered anyway, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, the Seventh Circuit, I find, and, and it's great for kids, the kids, it's just a, a good length for, for children to use as well, you know, and, um, I mean, I've worked with some interesting groups, you know, people who, um, um, who are looking to, for alternatives to, um, medication, you know, for mental health issues and that, you yeah. know, and they have found the labyrinth quite beneficial, you know, so, it's, it's quite interesting where, you see labyrinths cropping up, you know, and the connections, you know, it could be reading a book on almost any topic, you know, and suddenly there's a mention of a labyrinth in it, you know, and it's... Yeah. Like it's um, certainly starting to see them more in the UK coming into, uh, like, hospices and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, which is great, that's very encouraging. Yeah. I haven't seen that in Ireland yet, no, but it, it will happen, I know they were... Mm. Um, talking to one or two people, they tend to be in Ireland in kind of health centres or retreat centres and, yeah. um, you know, holistic centres, that type of place, are in people's back gardens. The amount of individuals I know who have kind of built their own labyrinth or their partners built a labyrinth or their neighbours have built a labyrinth, mm -hmm. you know, just for their own use, you know, or their friends' use. And uh, it's like it's coming from the ground up, you know, and uh, and I do believe they're healing the earth. I think they have a very beneficial effect on the energies that they clear mm -hmm. negative energies in whatever area they're put down, you know, so um, I think it's part of, you know, helping Mother Earth to, yep. to um, counter all the pollution and all that's going on at yeah. the moment, you know, so um, 
I don't know what they're going to do in the Gulf. I don't know how you'd make a labyrinth in the Gulf in the water, but <laughs> they certainly do it when <laughs> up there at the moment. <laughs> Even though there's some reason for that as well that maybe we don't always see. And there's, um, yeah, just talking back to the Irish labyrinth, I mean, there's one, there's a church up in Donegal built in about the 1960s, you know, and it has the door handles on the church are actually labyrinths. It's in Burt Chapel in, um, mm. in Donegal. So, um, Quite, it's just below Green on an Alioc, which is a ring, well, they call it a ring fort. It's hard to know whether it was a fort or some kind of an amph amphitheatre, possibly, you know. It's, um, but the church is built in two circles, you know, and the, the labyrinth. And they have a plaque of a classical labyrinth on the wall outside as well with some other, some other symbols. And that's a right-handed one as well, you know, so it's like mm. maybe there was... Um, whether it's cultural or not in Ireland, you know, because the other, there aren't many older ones or ancient ones known in Ireland. There was one, I suppose, a lot of this is, I would have got information I would have got from Jeff Sayward of Labyrinthos, yeah. you know, so he, um, I think he was actually over here. There's in, here in North, not in North Cork, not far from where we are at the moment, there's a, an old farmhouse, Bridgetown House in Castletown Roach, and the floor in the kitchen was cobbled, and there was a pattern... I think the floor was built around 1750, back in the 1700s, and there was a labyrinth pattern inlaid mm. into the floor mm. of the kitchen. Now it had sunken and it had, you know, collapsed and needed to be repaired. And I think the people who owned it obviously knew they had something. They got got it photographed and mapped and drawn out, but I think they covered it in plastic and poured a new concrete floor over it. I think. <gasps> but. Uh, <laughs> So, but at least they got it, they didn't rip it out, you know, so it's still there for some archaeologist in a few hundred years' time to come across if he ever gets through the concrete. Yeah, but, like um, an ancient Irish labyrinth. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I do, I have a sense there are, or were a lot more labyrinths in Ireland, but mm. there, maybe there are torferents that have just disappeared. Or of course, most of the torferents yeah. have gone, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's only, what, um, eight surviving torferents in, the, in, in, the, in UK. the UK? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, most of which I've been to. Yeah. And there are only, I was going to say there's only one known church labyrinth. I think there's two now. There's one up in County Mead um, near Oldcastle. It's, um, it's a medieval, an 11th Circuit medieval mm. labyrinth, but it's in a wall plaque. It's only about maybe a foot and a half, mm. you know, square. So. And um, again, it's not known where in the church it was. It was when the church was, well, the church is roof, roofless. There's a lot of old churches there in Ireland because they were out of use for years. But they were just clearing stones and boulders from the floor inside. And they, on the back of one of them, there was this labyrinth pattern. So it yeah. looks like it was some kind of a wall plaque. Or, yeah. But where in the church it was originally, it's not known because it was just thrown in the middle of the floor. But it's nicely mounted on the wall now for... Um, I find that quite interesting when you get the, the small ones in churches because they're clearly not meant to be walkable. You know, they're obviously there for some yeah. protective purpose or, uh, yeah. Well, there's one in yeah. France um, I tried to go and see, so I saw it listed on the uh, labyrinth locator, but it's not actually accessible. It's actually on the roof above uh, the door where you came in, where oh, right. you can get to. Where is that in France? Uh, in Mirepoix. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I tried to go and find that. Yeah. If I had, I, I think I had, they told me I'd have had to write to the mayor and get permission yeah, yeah. or something in advance. Yeah, yeah it was... So it was 
Yeah, I took a lot of persuasion at a big. I told them actually there, was, there were two people: the, the lady in charge of the church and somebody else. And one of them wanted to let me in, and the other one didn't to see it. It's not mm. open to the public, and they were having an argument among themselves. I told them I came all the way from Ireland just to see this labyrinth, you know. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So some of them, and quite a number of the smaller ones, seem to have been for protection inside the door. And I think in India. It's it's quite common to have different types of patterns, you know, yeah. just inside the door, including labyrinth patterns as protection. So, yeah. um, and I would think, well, it, I mean, they do create a very safe container, even if when people are walking them, it's a very safe space that people are yeah. in, you know, to get in touch with emotions maybe that normally people wouldn't, you know. And I think the labyrinth creates a very safe container for for that, you know. So why wouldn't it? be a protection, you know, that's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've certainly had, a, speaking of emotions, I've certainly had a lot of um, major kind of cathartic breakdowns in labyrinths yeah. with people when I'm doing workshops, you mm. know. Uh, you know, like a 17-year-old uh, uh, chap uh, who's very bitter and cynical, you know, bursting into tears yes. and crying for 20 minutes, yeah. you know. And simultaneously, if you have somebody else walking, they can be full of smiles, you know, it's like yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh, one person's whatever space, it protects everybody in their own space like that, it's not mm -hmm. what's happening to one person isn't transmitted to another or picked up by another, it's like that it's, um, I suppose it's part, part of the mystery that still intrigues me, you know, or still attracts me that yeah. it's not, not everything is known about it, but it's, I would say I haven't seen any detrimental effects from labyrinths, you know, yeah. only, only positive and beneficial ones. Yeah. You know, so, um, so do you do many uh, workshops? Do you get much call for that? Um, Yes, and a lot of inquiries, you know, so, yeah. I mean, well, I suppose I was doing three or four a year for quite a while. I've, I've eased back a little bit now, I'm mm. trying to do some of my paintings and a little bit of writing. I'm just working on a project, I'm trying to get out there, but it's um, it's taken its time again. It's like everything with the labyrinth. Sometimes I think I've been nearly finished and my life takes a turn. And yeah. <laughs> I'm further from my goal than I realised I was, you know. So, um, just like the labyrinth. Yes. Just exactly like the labyrinth, you know. And it's it's wonderful when I get over the, that frustration, you know, that I'm still learning to, de yeah. to deal with. So, um, Do you have so, any uh, preferred construction methods if you're doing a temporary one? It really depends on where I am and what the purpose is, you know, yeah. so, I mean, if it's very temporary and the weather is okay, I, I like using kind of organic material, so I use flour, I get a few cheap bags of flour and, and just mark it out on the grass or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and I like grass labyrinths because you can walk in your bare feet. Yeah. Um, you know, I know some people, if you want a more permanent one, you might have to put wood chip on it or pebbles, but that's, they're not easy to walk in your bare feet, and yeah. I think, I find I lose some of my or I get a better connection with the earth or with myself or better I get into a nicer space when I walk on my bare feet you know yeah. so um, temporary ones indoors I've made a lot out of masking tape I can run one up now in about 10 minutes you know mm -hmm. so and fairly symmetrical and a nice one you know so I think I have a number of canvas ones that I can roll out you know that I made right. in, well, a few of us made together you know so um I can cart them around, throw them in the car and roll them out in two minutes, but sometimes the room isn't big enough for the lamp yeah. because just it's not right. Or And, and it will depend on the time of year because at solstice I've often, I would have orientated to maybe summer solstice, the setting sun, you know, and, and they light a bonfire in nine with the entrance in the setting sun or something, you know, so it's, it really depends on the occasion, you yeah. know, and where and, and the setting, Yeah. you know, yeah. so, um, yeah. Beach labyrinths are quite nice. Uh, we had... 
No, I did one on the beach. Oh, World Labyrinth Day. I was trying to think of when was the last one. And with a gang of people organised with shovels and everything. And of course, typical Irish weather. There was a it was beautiful blue sky at 12 o'clock and the labyrinth, the walk was one, walk at one, as one at one was the theme. Mm. So we were all set to start and then the heavens opened. There was a downpour. We, you couldn't even see the lines of the labyrinth we had drawn. It was... No. It was we, we, they followed me because I kind of knew where I was walking. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we ran the labyrinth, I think, and ran for the local hotel for shelter afterwards. But, <laughs> but interestingly, we, we had dozed people's um, auras before and afterwards, and even in a rushed labyrinth run, you know, which it was really, yeah. it was great fun because well, some people who didn't like the rain had ran for cover already, but the hard people, about 10 or 12 who were left, you know, um, really got into the spirit of it, you know, and... Uh, uh, there are a more or less doubled in size after coming out of the labyrinth, you know, mm. which is seems to be a kind of a standard phenomenon, you know, that it it uplifts people and it yeah. brightens them and you know raises their energy, raises all of our energies, you yeah. know. And yeah. If you ask me how how it happens, I can't tell you, except that it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't remember. So I can remember reading. Somebody says, if I knew how it worked, I wouldn't have to walk it. So uh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, the Latin phrase, uh, solve ambulatorio? Oh, St. Augustine, it's yeah. it's a salviter ambulando, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. St. Augustine, yeah. And he's not a man you'd associate with kind of labyrinths, but anyway. Yeah. So they're um, wonderful, yeah. And I get calls from, you know, to go and talk about labyrinths or to come and help people make them, you know, and different people in different situations. A lady from my hometown who had cancer for quite a number of years and she just wanted a labyrinth made you know and she had mm -hmm. uh, she invited all her friends to come along for the day about 40 people so we dug out a labyrinth and each person brought a paving stone with a personalized message on it so it was very mm -hmm. personal in that now the lady is no longer in the physical in her physical body here you know i think spiritually she's probably still here but there's a lovely kind of tribute to her in in the back garden of the house where she lived you know mm -hmm. for a number of years so it's um i think whether it certainly gave her some he healing on a certain level, you know, but I think the people who are left behind, certainly family and relations, find it very peaceful and find, and, yeah. you know, connect with her through the labyrinth as well, you know. Yeah. So that's. Um, I think the great your projects like that are great for involving friends and family and, yes. and even the community, yeah. being a public one. Yeah, know? and and most people there had never heard of a labyrinth before, you know, her family yeah. and friends. It was maybe 35 people and they were saying, oh, first they didn't even know what it was and we thought she was mad, you know, but after yeah. building it and walking it, they had got in touch with the energy yeah. of the labyrinth and a few people said, next time you're doing another one of these, tell us and we'll come along for free, we'll help you, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, yeah. Um, it's great to see, to see that, you know, so... And, People want to know what books to buy or what you know where to where to get more information. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you asked me seven years ago what a labyrinth was, I probably wouldn't have known either. You know, <laughs> so a movie with David Bowie in it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, well, it's funny. I can remember learning how to draw from the the seed pattern when I was at school. You know, when I was very did young. Did you? Oh, right. Yeah, well, but that seems to be yeah. quite uncommon. You know? I thought yeah, it was I've never standard I, thing you got in school. Yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously not. <laughs> I mean, mm. said that's how it would have travelled around the world quite a bit, isn't it, from yeah. the seed pattern, yeah. Mm. And actually, interestingly, on the Hollywood stone, you can actually see the seed pattern, you know, because it's engraved a bit heavier than right. than the, the the rings are, you know, so... Yeah, it's it's great with... I use it a lot with children now. I actually did recently the Church of Ireland Diocese here in Cork had a... You know, they have a different team every year for confirmation groups, you know, mm -hmm. they... They worked with the labyrinth as a pathway of life and the confirmation being one stage of it, you know, so mm. it can be used in 
you know, many, many settings, you know, Christian or pre-Christian or whatever denomination people are, the, the labyrinth has some symbolism for, for people if they're, mm. they're open to seeing it, I think, is the, mm. is the, is the key. So, um, yeah, but the, the kids, um, it's very interesting to show them a picture and say, can you draw that in, uh, in you know, 30 seconds or whatever, you know, yeah. not a hope. But then when you show them, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the penny drops, you know. So, um, and even we were, uh, earlier on, we were talking about this chap, Dan Raven, and he said he came across, he's living in the States, and he came across this old Indian and who did a lot of painting, you know, and he, he had a painting of a labyrinth, and mm. he asked him, how did you do that? You know, and he said, when he saw a picture of it, and he went, he copied it, you know, sort of right. copied each li little stroke as he went along, yeah. you know, like, and then Dan showed him the seed pattern, and he was like, wow, he said, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, gosh, why didn't somebody show me that before? I yeah. spent hours trying to copy the pattern, you know, onto, onto a canvas or whatever, so... so. Mm. Yeah, I was working with an artist uh, a few years ago. She built one in uh, Castle Milk in Glasgow. Yeah. And uh, it was a community woodland project she was doing, and I suggested she do a labyrinth. Mm. And she went off and researched it. And I was kind of expecting she would come back to me and say, well, you know, how do I do this? Yeah. But no, she just went off and did she it. did it. And yeah. came up with this really quite uh, unique design based on the the hemoglobin and chlorophyll molecules. Oh, wow. So it has lots of bastions on it, you know. And yeah. it's, it's like a Baltic, uh, so it's yeah. got the in and the, and the, the out. The out. Yeah. Um, but she'd just thrown that, not knowing anything about seed patterns, and she found it really yeah. hard, she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. All right, yeah, she had yeah. to work it from scratch. She just worked yeah, from yeah. scratch, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite unusual. Uh, and yeah. she's got all the uh, local community kids to uh, fire yeah. a little ceramic tile with a drawing or their oh, name. Right. Or yeah. They're all built into the walls. So, yeah. yeah, it's quite nice. I've seen, yeah, in, in that 2005 event now, there was actually two two separate labyrinths. One was, I was asked to help, and people only had an hour in the square. They, you know, they'd drop off a square in the street where different performances would be, but mm. from time to time, we set aside for labyrinths, and they said they had an hour slot, and there were different youth groups, youths, um, club groups coming together. And I says, how many, mm. how many children? Are, how many children are going to be there? They said 150. And he says, you want to put 150 children through a labyrinth in an hour? I was <laughs> so I had to shortcut it really and make it. It was very similar to the Baltic. So they walked in yeah. and shot shortcut out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was mm. it, it made it with um, bits of logs and left gaps between them. And each of the children carried a um, kind of a lamp. So oh, it was, and they placed it between the logs, so it was kind of lit up by the time oh, they right, were finished. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The second or another labyrinth I saw at that event was the secondary school of a girls' school, and they had it laid out in an indoor hall. But what the teachers had got them to do was anonymously to write a prayer or a message on a piece of paper, and each of them then had a tea light, a candle in a in a jam jar, you know. Mm. So. And the whole pathway was series of these messages, you know, and mm. as you were reading them, sort of, there was a whole range of messages. Some of them were very moving, you know, sort of one of them, you know, saying they were looking for help to overcome their eating disorder, you know, mm. or for their mother who was terminally ill with, with cancer or whatever, you know, and there was a whole series of, just as an amazing energy of it, and it was all, you know, maybe 200 candles in, in a dark room, just mm. with these messages that you read by candlelight. It was. Um, it was really kind of labyrinth, I would think, had been very healing for a lot of those people, you know, even yeah. just to be able to express themselves, you know, and which they might have been able to do, you know, in, yeah. in another context, you know, nobody really knew who, which was re related to or which was related to which, so um, it was, 
Tell me a bit about your uh, visit to Short. Was that a my, that was a my, training session? My six visits to Short. Your six visits to Short. <laughs> <laughs> the first time. Um, I was aware that the labyrinth more likely was only open on a Friday and we had been camping with my partner and quite a number of our kids in north of Paris so we knew it was mm -hmm. maybe 100 miles of a drive and we had left uh, given ourselves a oh, look if it takes three hours that's fine but we forgot it was Friday afternoon so we set off at two o'clock or something like that and he'd rush our traffic in Paris and to be crawling at five miles an hour for a few hours <laughs> and we arrived in Chart at quarter to eight uh, that evening mm -hmm. to find out the cathedral had closed at 7.30. Ah. So that was the first one. <laughs> I said, okay, maybe I'm not meant to see the labyrinth. Maybe I'm not ready, you know, and it's enough to see the outside of the cathedral. Yeah. So the second time um, we had been touring around, flew to Barcelona and had been touring around the Pyrenees and my daughter's children, we met them in Lourdes and they wanted to go to Chartres. So, um, we were putting them on a train and then we got a mad fit as we sometimes do and says, sure we'll drive you 500 miles, yeah. <laughs> a thousand mile round trip or something. <laughs> and so we headed for Chartres and got there, but it wasn't, it was covered in chairs as it yeah. often, as it often yeah. is. So that October I went with Veriditas to do a kind of a 10 day workshop and facilitator training in Chartres. And it was a quite a profound experience for me in, in a number of ways in that I suppose I was getting in touch with um, different parts of myself, you know, and mm -hmm. used the labyrinth. And the labyrinth walk was, the first time I walked it was in the closed cathedral. There was only the group of us there and it was by candlelight, so the labyrinth was in darkness apart from mm. candles and people. And uh, I can remember taking off, just coming up to walk the labyrinth, I took off my shoes and socks because I just... I like walking in my bare feet yeah. and it was like as soon as my the feet hit the cold floor of the tiles it was like I was thrown back 800 years in time and there yeah. was, I was there as a pilgrim, I was there as a young boy of about 8 or 10 or whatever it is yeah. and I could see myself playing in the labyrinth and running around it I was very joyful and it was a great experience and I could see other people in the group who were there with us been there quite many years previously, you know, so it was um, something I had never expected and um, very, it was very moving for me, you know, mm. as, as an experience and um, and even when I was walking there was one particular pillar I used to sit against, you know, quite near the labyrinth just to be in the space of the labyrinth and the cathedral and uh, half around I said, oh, when I'm finished I'll go over there, you know, and I, I looked up and all I could see was this image of a, an old woman with a black shawl overhead, couldn't see her face or anything mm. and uh, immediately knew it was my mother at the time but I didn't know whether there was actually somebody <laughs> against the pillar or not so it was very strange to be walking around and it happened to be one of the group who were there you know who had a shawl and had right. themselves covered in it but, um, but uh, I wasn't sure for quite a while you know. Yeah. So, was that whole uh, Black Madonna thing in short as well? So. Yes there is yeah, yeah, under, yeah, yeah. The, yeah Notre Dame sewer yeah. Tear, is it? Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, shirt for me, and I can still. It's a different image. I mean, there was the atom. There's a, an atom on a stained glass window, and that just kept coming out of me as well for mm -hmm. some reason. That this was the start of maybe start of something for me, you know, or start yeah. of uh, a starting point on the yeah. labyrinth journey. And um, and uh, for a while afterwards, I had just had one in my back garden, and I was tending it, and only a few people would come in. But I, it was told to let that go and it's like I have had to take a more public path with my 
labyrinth journey or whatever and bring it to people and not be afraid to speak out and talk to people and say here it is if it works for you great if it doesn't yeah. you know yeah. well good you've given it a go you know so it, it kind of and it's still ongoing this journey I'm not sure whether I've got to the centre or many times I've got to the centre you know it's like each stage maybe is getting to the centre as well so but it's it's progressing I'm meeting wonderful people I've travelled all over the world nearly at this stage you know with different labyrinth, labyrinth hunts or labyrinth chasing labyrinths or just connecting with labyrinth people you know mm -hmm. part of this conversation is probably as a result of that as well you know so it's True, um, yeah. certainly has given me a sense of maybe a, my purpose in life or to um maybe to introduce people to, you know, to start them on their journey or to help them on their journey. And if it's only one step and if I only help one person, that's that's enough for me. Or I'm not even looking for that. It's like, it's okay, yeah, yeah. here it is. It's enough. I get enough reward just working with the labyrinth because it, for me it has a beautiful energy. And I find when I do a, a one-day workshop, you know, which would be showing people how to draw it and make finger labyrinths and a number of meditations, you know, and then making a big labyrinth and walking it, it's... It's like there's a space that's created or an environment or atmosphere that I could stay sitting in and all the people th yeah. they could stay sitting in for, for hours. It's just there's a sense of peacefulness that um, yeah. that it brings that is why I keep working with it. I can feel myself smiling because I can, you can feel know it. I can feel that, that energy and, and that just uh, wonderful, peaceful space, you know, and safe space. And, you yeah, know, this is maybe what we should be in the space we should be in all the time and maybe that's what I'm trying to find as well you know well the labyrinth <laughs> is a metaphor for life after all yeah, uh, yeah. oh it is it without, without a doubt and so many so many twists and turns as well you know and yeah yeah, yeah and I see the labyrinth as kind of on, on many different levels on the micro level you know that if I look at one even one incident in my own life or one issue that I might have at any one time I can walk with that but yet I see it as my whole life I see it as the whole universe, you know, even it can be seen as a map of the cosmos, you know, with the, mm -hmm. I mean, the seven circuits representing each of the seven visible kind of heavenly bodies, you mm -hmm. know, so it's, and, and I think it goes beyond that even, you know, I think it's yeah. like, it's as above, so below, you know, and yeah. it's a symbol of something greater than ourselves and yet something within ourselves and it's getting to be, and those, that something greater and something within me anyway is starting, coming more and more together in the labyrinth is a big influence on that. Great. Well, Tony, that's been uh, fantastic Hi. to talk to you. Uh, I'm so glad we had this opportunity to meet. <laughs> and thank you for uh, having you spend, spending a wonderful morning with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been really wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Graham. Oh. Likewise. <laughs> well, my thanks once again to uh, Tony Christie and his partner, Fanilla, for taking me out for the day and making sure my stay in Cork was a very pleasurable one indeed. Tell us your labyrinth stories. Send us an email to podcast at britishdouses.org. We'd love to hear from you. But I hope you enjoyed that little summer special podcast, and I hope you're having a good summer yourself. Be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing. Bye for now.